God, it only seems like it was minutes ago that I was loading up last week's podcast, and here we are with this week's podcast. I hope you're all keeping well. I hope your diaries are full now because you've subscribed to the Swedish-Irish Society's Swedish-Irish Joint Calendar there. We have all the events for the community from the Arctic Circle to the Öresund Bridge there, courtesy of the wonderful Sophie Murphy at the Swedish-Irish Society. Uh, if you have anything there, get in touch. I know, I know a lot of people have been in touch already to say this is brilliant because uh, now they can plan things. You know, they can plan a trip to Stockholm or they can plan a trip to Ludio. They can see when the Stockholm girls are playing soccer and when the, the Chamber of Commerce is having an online meeting or that kind of thing. So it's a um, fantastic way to stay in touch. And you know me, anything that brings this community closer together is all good. So get your events in there. Contact the Swedish Irish Society if you have something. Um, we have something wonderful to gather around this week. Um, this episode is coming out on a Monday in April. And tomorrow, on the Tuesday in April, we have our girls in green down in Gothenburg. And they're going to be taking on the Swedish national team in a very, very important Women's World Cup qualifier. Right, So, you, you know, if you're in any way interested in sport... You, you'll probably have noticed over the last few years that there has been a huge increase in the women's game and it's fantastic to see and that that goes for rugby and it goes for camogie and GAA uh, I've often said that when I was growing up uh, female athletes were basically invisible you know and it wasn't something that girls did uh, certainly not in the parish where I grew up in um, it was very very seldom that you would see women or girls involved in sport and it's magnificent to see and it's magnificent to see such great sports women who are involved and who are representing our country and wearing the green now the two teams met in Dublin November I was over there uh, some of you may have seen me popping up on SVT and having a go at the FAI but I'll do that free you don't have to pay me just invite me I'll turn up and have a right pop at them uh, unfortunately on that occasion the Irish girls lost 1-0 but they went out and won away to Finland over in our neighbours there in Helsinki uh, a few days later so they're actually in second position in the group and headed for a playoff place right sweden are one of the top teams in the world if you haven't seen them play soccer they're just brilliant right they always have been them norway um, denmark are pretty good iceland are pretty good but the scandinavians have kind of been from the very genesis of the women's game back in the early 1970s when they started to play internationally in an organized fashion the swedes have been at the top of it uh, they won the silver medal at the last olympics they're just a really, really good team. So, you know, they will probably win the group. They have enough tools in their toolbox there to win the group. But if we can get into the playoffs there, right, and go one step further than we did for the Euros, which is happening this summer, we could, Ireland could make the World Cup in Australia next year. And that would be a huge achievement, right? And I said it the other night there, I think last week there was a game between Barcelona and Real Madrid, and it was like, it was it 85,000 people at a Women's Champions League game? And I was so delighted for the players who got to play in that game, right? Because they're standing on the shoulders of giants. There's women like Emma Bourne who played for Ireland who never got the chance to play in, they played in very, very big games. They played in European qualifiers and they played in huge uh, club games for Arsenal. This kind of thing. But they never got that level of recognition. They never got that level of love from the stands of that. And indeed, I've covered international tournaments myself where there has been, you know, half full stands and not great atmospheres. So to see that many fans in a game like that was absolutely brilliant. The game in Gothenburg is a sellout. Uh, so it's going to be very, very hard to get your hands on tickets if you're in the Gothenburg or the west of Sweden area over the next couple of days. But it will be shown on the TV here and indeed it will be shown back home on RTE and it'll probably be on the radio as well. But 
to celebrate that fact, to celebrate how far the girls in green have come. Uh, this week, I have spoken to none other than Louise Quinn, the mighty Quinn, the former Eskilstuna centre-back, the woman who could head a ball further than I can kick it, right? Um, I have a great love for Louise Quinn. She's a fantastic sportswoman from County Wicklow. Uh, she's one of the soundest people, and you'll know that. So as you listen to this conversation, you'll work that out for yourself, right? One of the soundest people you'll come across. And the moment I asked her... To, you know, if she talked to me before this game, she just said, yep, yeah, no bother. Now, again, I always hate comparing the, the women's game and the men's game, but, you know, the women are so much more accessible and they're generous and decent and they go around and they sign the autographs and the men are just, ah, they're famous and they're loaded and most of them can't give a shit, you know. But uh, Louise was wonderful and she gave me loads of her time last week. So this is a pretty long conversation that covers her entire career. And it touches on some things, um, both there's plenty about her experience of living here in uh, in Sweden and playing for Eskilstuna, but there's plenty of things from the other aspects of her career as well, about being an Irish woman, a professional Irish sportswoman living abroad, the money she made or makes, uh, the lifestyle that she has and what it means to her to represent Ireland. So the conversation is coming up, but before you listen to this conversation, right, stick it in the diary for the Tuesday. And if you're listening after the match, I can only pity it, right, but go back and have a look at it and take an interest in the women's team, you know, go to your local Irish bar, ask them to put it on the TV if they can, wherever you are in Sweden, and let's keep following them to the logical conclusion, which will hopefully be a spot at the World Cup. Now, after uh, we're done talking to Louise, there's another little interview coming at the end, because she raises one point, I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet, right, but she raises one point which leads on very, very nicely to the gentleman that I'm going to interview at the end, right, so we'll get to that all in due course, and don't worry, don't worry, I'll be there begging for the sponsorship, and I'll be there begging for the Patreon, but we won't do that just yet. Let's have a listen to Louise Quinn, and let's uh, let her set up this huge game between Ireland and Sweden in Gothenburg on Tuesday, with a place at the Women's World Cup Finals. Not there in a winner-takes-all way, but certainly it's uh, it, it's uh, up for grabs. There she is now, the greatest thing to come out of the County Wicklow since Glen Rowe. Louise Quinn, how are you? Well, Phil, how's things? You're afraid of your life, me asking you questions, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah, because I just don't know what's coming out of your mouth, do I? <laughs> there you go. That makes two of us, girl. But I'll tell you what, let's start in Tala. I didn't actually bump into you that night because it was in last November, I think it was, and there were still all sorts of COVID restrictions in place. But Ireland played Sweden there, very unluckily lost 1-0 in a World Cup qualifier there. But what I remember most about that even, Louise, is the amount of people who were there and the amount of support you got and the atmosphere and the fact that Ireland played so well against Sweden. Now, apart from the obvious, we're not going to go into how they, they got their goal. Right? Nobody needs to talk about that. But what do you yeah. remember from that? that night yeah I just think like exactly what you said it just kind of being a bit a bit electric um you know what I mean and it's just that atmosphere of actually you know going into going into these games against yes like you know some of the bigger teams um you know and actually really believing that you can get a result out of them mm. um do you know what I mean we knew like you know kind of what you're going into you know that is going to be a lot of defending you cannot take no one can take away the quality that Sweden have, um, you know. But I think we've been we've been getting quite good at kind of figuring out teams' weaknesses as well, I guess. Um, and so just going into it, yeah, we're we're full of confidence, um, really full of confidence. And then honestly, yeah, as you say, just the the crowds have been unbelievable lately. Um, and I think just getting that, as you say, with first first of all not being able to have them for a while, 
then yeah, having some restrictions, but just to kind of see people back together and getting behind the team again, even more than, you know, than before COVID hit, um, is just, it's uh, yeah, it's heartwarming. Yeah. Um, could I talk to you a little bit because I mean, the, the reason in particular that uh, your case is, is so fascinating, right? Is because you used to live here, you played for Eskis too, and I think it was in 2013 you came over here for the first time, was it? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, neither of us are any spring chickens there. But anyway, look at uh, how did you end up getting that gig? Because Eskilstoon is obviously what an hour's drive or so from Stockholm. How did they get in touch with you? How did they rope you into coming over here? You were you at P Mount before that, were you? Yeah, I was in P Mount. Um, would have played. Uh, yeah, obviously we were doing very well in the league, winning the league. Um, you know, competing in Champions League. Um, at times, so just even having a bit of that experience, obviously playing with the Irish team, you know, helped. Hmm. helped massively but it was just yeah just kind of in touch with the with an agent um and it was it was just kind of putting the name out there in the feelers and and he came back and was like well there is this team in sweden um that are very interested and yeah and they're just looking they're looking to grow they're looking to really you know they want to be a big name in a in women's football especially in sweden um what was your reaction when the agent said that, Louise? Because, like, you know, you're comfortable enough. You're out, you're not far from Wicklow when you're playing for P-Mount, you know. And then all of a sudden they want to move you to outside Stockholm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose, obviously, that was a big part of it was up to me. I wanted to go. I wanted to get out. Um, you know, and I think it was one of those where you kind of hear that a Swedish team is looking for you. And, you know, I suppose in Ireland at the time or even in women's football, the you know the Swedes have a great reputation for their football and how much they back it and you know how well the national team do um so I was like you know what if there's kind of a country kind of like that looking you know looking for me as a player I'm sure it's it's got to be somewhere where I can grow and develop and um you know kind of probably didn't think about the living situations too much or or certain like or the seasons so the snow to the to every, probably the snow the rest was all right but I just remember rocking up then to Eskilstun and there being about two or three foot of snow and I was just like, where, where am I? Landed into Skavsta again, where am I? <laughs> yeah, and this is Not even Ryanair you know, could tell you where you were. No, and this is supposed to be like Stockholm Skavsta, you know, that's how they, that's how they yeah, named it's it. <laughs> no, it's not. It. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, that was just kind of it. I was like, you know, yeah, it's, it's second division. I'm, I'm unsure how this is going to go. Like, I really want to go abroad, but Maybe this would be a good starting point for me. Um, and then just that was it, how it took off and how it grew. There's not many, you know, professional careers kind of starting out from, you know, just the, being a, you know, a, an Irish player to then how it kind of went in Sweden for me. It kind of, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better in terms of how I like to, you know, talk about my career and talk about how things went and how the team grew, but then also, you know, how I grew kind of as a, a player and a person. When you come over here, Louise, because like, you know, at that stage in particular, there wasn't a huge amount of women's football, like a huge amount of money, should I say, in women's football. I was involved with a club here in Stockholm before that. And I remember the struggle always of trying to put together a deal that had some money and maybe a part time job and that kind of thing. But could you sort of, you know, live comfortably on what you got from the club or was it a sort of a hand to mouth existence when you came over here? Um, I suppose it's it's still kind of like that you can't say like you know you can I was obviously able to yeah able to live um and stuff like that you know and for me it was just my first time getting out it wasn't for me as long as I was 
yeah, making making enough money to live. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about the money otherwise because sure, I was, I was probably making, I was making a loss playing in Ireland, to be honest. And even, yeah. you know, almost for the national team, you're almost making a loss at that stage, mm. um, you know, to play for your country and to, you know, to pay your way around and to, you know, do all of that. So it didn't, it didn't overly concern me in that way. And just, and again, but just how the, how the club then support you as well and, and everything that they provide, um, you know, it's it's still even in terms of what they provided back then it's it can still be better than what you get sometimes in in England and um you know how you're looked after and accommodation and you know and and food and they make sure that you're fed and you're looked after and you have a pair of football boots and you know there's mm. and you just get to train every day so to be honest it wasn't it wasn't too much what I thought about I just wanted to get stuck into the football um you know and 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 that was it it's a special place for women's football in Eskilstuna because they don't really have a men's elite football team there, right? So the women are actually better than the men in that town, right? So yeah. did you did you sort of enjoy a lot of local support? I mean, would people stop you in the supermarket, you know, because, you know, you're quite tall, that kind of thing. You're a good-looking woman wandering around the place, famous in the town. Did you get a lot of that sort of attention? Well, yeah, sure. They they always used to mix me and Vela Barzi up anyway because we were both six foot tall, you know, central defenders. Great headers of the ball. Great headers of the ball. She Not that was you actually, should be doing that in the supermarket. The one with the red hair, so they always thought she was the Irish one, to be honest. Um, oh, well. So you yeah, just sort of yeah. snuck around in her yeah. shadow kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, no, it was... Um, that's Like, that's the thing. We were a part of the community, and that's what made the team what it was. Mm. Um, you know, started out with whatever it was, 200 fans, getting up towards, you know, the end of the... Um, you know, we were really hitting our peak and, and playing in Champions League and it was, you know, yeah, six and a half thousand or, you know, seven thousand. I had to put extra seats in the stadium and mm. you had, you know, you had kids, you had toddlers, you had grandparents, you had parents, you had, you know, any, any, each and every, you know, type of person there is out there was, was at our games. And, and I think it was because we invested ourselves so much in the community and, um, and yeah, and got the and got the trust of the community, and that's that's what we wanted, and that's what the club was, that's what the club wanted, and then they mm. pushed it on, and you know we had to make out schedules about when you go to kind of community events because there were so many of them. We were being asked to go to so many things, or we would just want to do it ourselves. That you actually had to, you know, try do it. Everyone had kind of a weekly schedule when you'd have to go do something, um, you know. So we were, yeah, we were going into PE classes, we were teaching PE classes, we were going into English classes, just speaking, speaking about football, speaking English to the to the kids. Um, we were judging bake-offs, we were standing in the street, giving out tickets, mm. you know, in the lashings rain. I remember when, at like a thunderstorm that I've never even seen before and we were under a gazebo, literally trying to give out tickets and then as the years kind of went on, you were then you know, sometimes doing the same thing, but then you were selling tickets. It wasn't, you know, obviously we were just trying to get bums on seats at that stage. Yeah. Um, but people. then it actually got so popular that, yeah, honestly, like at times people would be, geez, begging you, begging you for tickets at times. Um, yeah. You know, and that was, that was just an incredible feeling. The stadium was like a perfect size to create such a good atmosphere. And, you know, then we had the supporters group, the tune of 12 and, you know what a difference as well they made and you know you could sell merch we could sell merchandise at the games Um it was you know and, and and that was it you were just trying to get yeah the community trust and then as I say that kind of comes in hand then with sponsors and and mm -hmm. people just wanting to back the team and, and help the team.
2015, I still maintain that you were sort of the best team in the country there, but unfortunately you came second to Rosen Rosengord in 2015. And I remember we spoke just before that, and I was asking you which would mean more, winning the Dom Alsvenskan or uh, winning or making qualifying for a major tournament with, with Ireland. How, how disappointing was that, Lou, to get so close to winning a title in, in a real like women's football powerhouse like Sweden? Yeah, you know, at the yeah, at the time it was, it was it was hugely disappointing because I think literally everything as you say, we were just how we were playing and how we were as a team was something so special. Yeah, we just used to love the games were just great crack. Just used to love them, loved playing in them. Knew we could always compete. Sometimes you could have backs to the wall, but then we would just we'd figure it out, we'd solve it, and then. Other teams couldn't figure out how we were playing. We were we were different. We were you know really had different tactics to to other teams. And you know we didn't we didn't have a team full of world beaters. Um, you know kind of like Rosengard, they you know filled with internationals. You know every in every position. Um, but we just had a team that knew exactly how we wanted to play. Some really good young up and coming players. Um, some you know unbelievable experienced. Um, players as well so that balance um, was just was just amazing and I think then it maybe was just maybe like that lack of experience of kind of being in that situation because it's yeah. you know it's gone so fast and not many of us had you know had ever had ever been in that um, that position before so I think some of it you know maybe had to had to play in that we did have a, you know a, a tough run of games at the end where I think we, you know we did slip up a little bit but it wasn't uh yeah it wasn't from the lack of effort or or you know how how we're even doing I just think it you know it was it was maybe turned into a little bit more of a mental game even though we, I think we physically and um had had everything sorted but then we were kind of just hit with a little something else that you know a bit of pressure that we weren't used to yeah um so yeah in the in the moment definitely disappointing but then actually then just playing the last game of the season and and we you know we won the last game of the season but also Rosengard's um yeah Rosengard won their game so um for us though it was just celebration it was Champions League it was mm -hmm. having an unbelievable season with you know a great bunch of players and and coaching staff so yeah. um yeah listen yeah we were disappointed but it was still probably one of the best seasons of football I've ever had you stayed on then for the following season as well and it did, it wasn't you didn't sort of reach the height or as a team you didn't reach the heights there did you feel like you know because I, I can't remember it was it three or four seasons you played here it was probably four all told was it four, four seasons yeah. yeah yeah so like what do you feel you learned as a player and as a person when you were here though? um honestly probably <laughs> everything um it kind of yeah it kind of shaped me especially it was something that turned me into a real professional. You know, I felt like I was doing everything right and doing everything I could, especially in kind of those last two years. Um, you know, I really kind of turned this corner in terms of just everything, how I was, how I was training, how I was eating, how I was recovering, um, how I used to analyze games and, and, and think about games. Um, it was just kind of, yeah, it was just the, you know, one of the highest it's kind of, it's kind of been up there and obviously just how the team played really suited me. Um, yeah. So it was in terms of becoming 
you know kind of who I am and how I how I go about my you know my ways it's still something that I absolutely stick to um you know and just kind of yeah having step up and kind of be be a leader in a in a place yeah that was kind of com- completely foreign to me and completely different and I you know I was definitely struggling with the language that was always a big problem of mine and something even that I still struggled with when I went to Italy and yeah. um, you know but it was something again that you just you know you learn to adapt it and it's and it's something then that you know football can still you know even whatever language you speak you can still you can still all understand each other kind of when it comes onto the pitch yeah um, yeah and I just yeah just learned I just learned everything I still take so much of it with me now well, it's one of the, the things that we keep coming back to actually is learning the language on this particular podcast did they did the club put you into lessons or were you stuck with Olivia Skoog just teaching you swear words or how did that work out for you yeah, definitely a bit of that. Um, it was probably something where, to be honest, I would have wanted the club to help more. Yeah. Um, you know, we just went into the, uh, into the generic um, government uh, language system. Yeah, the called. SFE, Svenska Fili in London. SFE, exactly. Um, and like you probably, you know, you would have done it yourself, yeah. you know, many moons ago. But it was oh, for me on. at the time. <laughs> me at the time, it was a. Uh, it was really it was also really hard to get into it took like you know weeks if not months because you need us and and all this kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, it was you know and it was it was one of those um and then it was yeah it was one of those tough kind of learning environments because you had people from so many different countries then and some that couldn't actually speak english Mm. then you're but you're all trying to learn swedish but then you couldn't even couldn't even cheat a bit like yeah, yeah, not even cheap, but just like you were trying to learn, but you're like, I, I don't have a translation of that. Like, what, it, what is their Swedish? Because someone, yeah, wasn't can't communicate at all. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's just how it felt. And then, yeah, I, you know, I got kind of, I, I did, I got quite intimidated by it, yeah. um, but just because it's, it was something like I, I didn't do, uh, I stopped languages at a from when I was like maybe fifteen in school. So like have a form of dyslexia that just I, I struggle just one of one part of it is that I like I struggle and especially with languages. Mm. Um so I, I used to do French, I used to do French and Irish in school. So I kept on the Irish but went to, down to a pass level. Mm. Um, but then just like dropped French completely because I was I was struggling so much that um yeah, it was just one of those kind of one of those difficulties that I had and and then again, when you're in Sweden as well, you do have a great balance of English, um, you know, as, as well as Swedish. So then sometimes when you're not as immersed in it, yeah. it, it does get more difficult. Um, but it was something then that I definitely got a bit intimidated by and that I actually really struggled with. Um, well, and, that, you know, I would have wanted the club to help more, but they were like, just go into SFE. Yeah, you'll be grand kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but I was like, no, I need like a one-to-one or obviously the group of you know kind of well that's the thing like i mean i think there's this idea that the one size fits all approach like it's not going to suit everybody you know yeah. and it's in this instance it didn't suit you but in the dressing room with the rest of the girls right because i was only talking to olivia school recently and she was going oh, no, 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 no. i wouldn't like to do a podcast in english and i go olivia you speak better english than me you know oh, yeah. that way yeah, and, and most Swedes do yeah. but how would this sort of social interactions with yourself and Vela's from scotland as well isn't she so well, she, yeah she's uh she's english and her her mother's from the shetland islands yeah. yeah. So she grew up in uh, in Norwich. 
And so, and there was a couple of other girls there as well who weren't, I think, were, I can't remember exactly who was in the squad and at the time you came second. Like, what yeah. I mean? It would the, have been the, like Dale and Moise, so Cameroonian players. Yeah, so she that's was right. French. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was, you know, she was mainly trying to learn English, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, picked up some Swedish and stuff, of course. Um, but would you understand now when the girls were chattering, chattering away, you know, would you would you have picked up enough to be able to sort of, uh, to keep up with a conversation or did you, did Vela just stick to yourselves? <laughs> no, it was, uh, that was generally, I definitely would have understood mm. a lot of conversations, but then obviously then you kind of notice that some of the casual chat gets a lot faster, a lot more kind of, you know, like slang as any Irish person, we as we talk, like, yeah. You know, you start talking and yeah, start talking in a bit of slang and a bit of this, that, and the other, and it starts to kind of not make sense. And you do have to, you have to concentrate a lot. Like you know, we would, we, we would have been like you know, a very social group, and or even as the Swedes always are, like love having dinners together, going for lunches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had to concentrate, and sometimes it was just knackering. It was so tiring. Yeah. Um, but I could, I could definitely, um, yeah, pick up a decent bit of chat, but. To be honest, then I actually sometimes I just didn't mind. I just had to turn to someone or, you, you know, you'd sit beside someone then that you could feel a bit, yeah. yeah, a bit safe around. But obviously, and then, but, you know, Vela really started to pick it up a bit more and sure she's still, you know, she's still living in. Still in hanging around here. Life. Yeah, she's married and. She was commentating on League of Ireland games with me a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> mad woman altogether. Tell you what, yeah, absolutely mad. But uh, no, she's, um, so, you know, she was, she was doing great and so it was almost even coming to a stage where I'd be like Vela can you what do they just say there like yeah. you know but that's and it was but that it was that was probably my hardest thing kind of being there I'd say is there anything from that time there because you left after your contract ran out in 2016 and then you were back in in England and then on to Italy but is there anything you miss from, from Sweden now and I mean absolutely everything things you could buy in the supermarket things on TV t- like anything at all um yeah, they used to, yeah, TV-wise, used to love watching all the cooking shows and then there were subtitles, so it was grand, all, like, yeah. everything. I'd also, I've been trying to track down in a, in Birmingham a uh, Semla. Oh, right, this is the right time of the year for that, all right. Yeah, yeah, so I've actually, I've found a place in Ireland that are doing them. And my sister's already been to go get one because obviously when they visited, they love them as well. Brilliant. Um, but that's... But she said it was good, but you just can't compare to what to what you guess over there. So actually, I'll be I'll be there now. So I'm definitely going to have to to pick up Nell Semla on me. That's very true. Actually, the morning morning after the game now, I might actually meet you before you head off to the airport and uh, I'll have yeah. one with me. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the intervening time, then, Louise, obviously you went back. Notts County went bust reasonably after they must have been paying you so much money that they went bust shortly after signing you. You know, yeah, you yeah. took all yeah. their millions, and then you wound up at Arsenal of all clubs. Now, for people who don't watch women's football, Arsenal are traditionally, as are Birmingham City, they're traditionally one of the sort of the big names there. How did you wind up there? Did they say, "Look, we saw you playing for Eskilstuna in Sweden, and we thought you were brilliant, and we want you here"? <laughs> That's actually, yeah, that's a, it is actually a good question. I really, I can't, it might've been something like that, to be honest. Um, Because it did the, you know, the turnaround came obviously pretty quick and, you know, I was so lucky that, that the turnaround after kind of Notts County went under that I was able to get a team so quickly. And yeah, Pedro, you know, Pedro had just said like, so basically I think my name had come up before, um, you know, to him, maybe when I was out on my, you know, out on my searches, um, you know, for a team and 
my agent, I suppose, would have put the name forward. And just at that time, it just didn't, you know, there just wasn't a, I suppose there just wasn't a window to kind of come in, like, you know, or an opportunity to come in. Um, you know, they had they had the players they wanted and and that was that. And then obviously this this happened and, you know, it did happen that quick because obviously, yeah, I think just think Pedro Losa had, yeah, had maybe seen international games, um, you know, potentially seen Champions League games, which would obviously maybe be more, um, more likely the case. Mm. And yeah, and just at that stage, there was there was injuries to the to the two starting centre backs at Arsenal. Um, like one at the time being like Leah Williamson and then I can't remember the other couple that were in at that stage but then so they just had two of the young girls that were in yeah. well, I, say, I say two of the young girls it was Lotta Lot Wubben Moy who's obviously now you know fixture in the team by now uh, yeah you know absolutely killing it and then Anna Patton as well who's who's just on loan at Villa but again mm. you know brilliant brilliant young player but that was it they were 17 18 and it was, you know, it was Arsenal. They were like, okay, yeah, like this is great, but two, two centre backs <laughs> of that age, we're just not sure. Um, yeah, so then they just kind of brought in, yeah, a bit more of an experienced head and just, just a defender, and then that was it. So like, you know, just Quinn, listen, you're being sickeningly modest there, right? Oh, they, they just brought me in to cover for a few interviews. You played yeah. like sixty odd games there over the next three years. You know, made yourself a fixture. I, I literally clawed my way in. I. Yeah absolutely worked I worked myself to the ground to you know to to make sure that I could get in there um you know because I, I I only signed a, a short term a very short term deal mm. a few months yeah. um you know to kind of get me through that spring season um you know wasn't wasn't sure if I was going to get another contract or not um you know really wasn't and then yeah even as it as the next season started you know I, I wasn't playing very much um you know, but was still like, you know, loving the training, the training environment and the quality. And, you know, I could still just feel myself getting better and better. But it was it was obviously intimidating because, again, you're against some of the best strikers in Europe. And um, but then, yeah, I just I just kind of got my I got my chance again. And I think just through. um, Yeah, like an injury. And I, I came on for one of the games for like the last 20 minutes. And we actually like we were losing, so we were playing red, and I think we were losing two one. I come on for the last twenty minutes, and we ended up winning the game three two. Um, I didn't score or anything like that, but but literally the girls were just like, do you know, do you know, like you changed the game, but just yeah. like just how I took control in the back line and just you know just defended and made sure winning you know winning aerial balls, getting the ball down, playing it to the girls that you know, you know Van der Donk, Miedema, you know all of them you could just. Play the ball ridiculously off. good footballers. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little. There you go. Have the ball. You know, enjoy it. And and that was it. And it was that was just a massive turning point. Um, because I was you know I was struggling a bit as well. It was it was difficult. Um, like what to do you try do one. in that situation, Louise? Because you come in there, right? You have a short term contract. You're really playing for a new contract if you can get one, right? Do you go in there and clatter the shite out of young ones and training every day, or do you try to go, okay, I'm going to show my value to the team when I get a chance on the pitch, or you know, I, I could be the lead, I'll fill all the water bottles. How how do you sort of control or take control of that situation? Um, yeah, to be honest, it was probably a little a little bit of everything. You know, I wanted to try put across, you know, how I was as a player, which was, yeah, you know, like just a, a real, just straight up defender. Like I'm going to make sure I'm going to put my body on the line. I'm going to make sure that, you know, nothing is getting towards our goal. 
Mm. Um, you know, so whatever that took, I literally took, I don't know how many balls to the face. You know, getting, yeah, slide tackles in. I actually used to wear my shin guards for the first few months as well. And the girls were like, what's going on here? And I was like, you know, this what, yeah, this, I was like, this is just what I'm used to. And that's probably saving you guys as well, a little bit of hassle. <laughs> but uh, no, and that was it. And then just, just also trying to be, yeah, trying to be a good teammate, backing the girls. Like there was always, it was never that, yeah, there was never any, you know, malice to the girls that were ever, that were ever starting. I was actually just, you know, I was, I was loving the opportunity that I was still getting. And I was like, okay, look, you know, I hope the time will come. I think it will. There, I definitely felt pressure towards it though as well um, you know like oh my god what if now my time actually comes and mm. I'm then playing for Arsenal like what if you know what if I'm not ready because I haven't played that much yeah um, you know, all, all, so much stuff goes through your head um, you know and there was the atmosphere in the team was a little bit different um, you know before Joe came in um, it was a bit clicky and it was a bit it, they just needed a fresh change um, yeah. and Joe and Joe changed that you know, yeah. almost instantly. And then that's, you know, and that's also when I started to kind of feel, you know, more important and part of the team. And, and Joe was trying to coach me. You know, he literally, he really had to, he wants me to play how he wants, like how his style of play, yeah. which is like a ball play in centre back. Yeah, which, there was a bit, know, of, a, yeah, was a bit of a difference there. Yeah, because like, I mean, all of a sudden I saw you with the ball at your feet and it wasn't that thing of, okay, just get this out of here. It was like, I'm looking for Kim Little here kind of thing. That yeah. must have been a nice thing to be told, okay, Louise, we want you to pass the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was different, obviously, how kind of we played with, how I played the Eskos Tuna, um, how I played with the Irish team. Yeah, listen, you have to, you have to learn to, to not have the ball, you know, and then, yeah, you do have to, like, you know, but we weren't at that stage, especially Irish team, great with actually trying to, to find the passes and, yeah. you know, figuring not, knocking around at the back, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was rare. So yeah. the kind of to get him to, yeah, to want me to do that, um, was really difficult. And obviously, you know, driving through the middle, he'd mm. be like, yeah, just carry the ball, in one, drive back. <laughs> no, are you sure? Yeah, are you sure now, Joe? Are you mad? But you do you just learn and adapt and I was as I said I actually I was probably the hard, one of the hardest working players in Arsenal I'd say easily I don't doubt I gave, every training session was 100% mm. there wasn't you know there wasn't a day that if yeah that I was just kind of oh I'm tired I'm not too fussed no it was switch on get ready like because the only way that I could keep up with some of them was to you know to be at my one hundred percent, but then I knew I was still good enough to do that. And if yeah. you keep if you keep playing up to that level, it then just kind of becomes normal. Yeah. Um, or that's or that's how it felt then. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was loving going in. Yeah, loving going into into training sessions like mm. that. Um, and and then that was it. And then yeah, got given my chance. And again, didn't once once I got it, it was okay. Right, I need to. Yeah, my one hundred percent needs to go up another. You know, find a new height. Yeah, squeeze um, another few percent out of that. Like, yeah, just you know, figure it out, and 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 that was it. And you know, and that was something that definitely even the girls, the girls noticed as well, and mm. um, which I just think they really appreciate because they could just see that I was, that I wanted it so bad, mm. and I cared, I cared so much about the team. It's common knowledge that I still haven't forgiven you for leaving Sweden and for not staying in the Dalmalsvenska, nor will I ever, so there's no point to ask it. But when you left Arsenal then in 2020, you went to Italy of all places, which I also took up the wrong way, and I'm still extremely annoyed over. How did the whole Fiorentina thing come about? Um, yeah, that was... 
to be honest, it was probably, yeah, like, you know, a, a bit of a surprise to me, I guess, at the time. Because um, it was just something I wanted. To, I wanted to stay in England. I wanted to play in England. Um, but just basically, like, yeah, I suppose an opportunity just didn't really arise. Um, it was obviously a very difficult time. We were just, you know, the pandemic obviously started in March. And then it was, you know, my contract was up in in May, June. So it was, uh, you know, and, and I, I kind of knew at that stage that I probably wasn't going to get, you know, yeah. a renewed contract. And again, which I was, um, with, which I, not that I was okay with, but I was like, this is football and I can kind of, I can, mm-hmm. I can see why. And I wasn't playing as much and I wanted to play um, as well. But then, yeah, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to stay in England. Um, but yeah, it just, it just didn't happen. And, um, yeah, so then it was just it was that time to kind of just branch out again, um, and yeah, again then just when a team you know a team kind of like Fiorentina um, come in, it was uh, obviously in in every way very appealing um, in terms of where you're going to live, in terms of them kind of being you know they were really the um, what's the word I'm looking for the. Uh, like the instigators of kind of women's football in, yeah, in Italy. Yeah. they were like, you know, they were the first club to really kind of make it mm. professional, um, you know, ahead of, ahead of Juve, ahead of, mm. you know, Inter, ahead of AC Milan. Yeah. Um, and, and they were playing Champions League as well. Mm. And, and Arsenal had actually played Fiorentina um, in the, in the stages before. So for, I, I played uh, in one of the games, but then I was injured for the next game. Yeah. But also, it was just like I just remember playing them as well, and just being like, they just they just have a bit about them. I remember the yeah. first game, especially they made it very difficult, um, you know, very difficult for for Arsenal, and um, and then just kind of being in Florence, then was you know was 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 gorgeous, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I could probably I could probably see myself, you know, somewhere around here in a f- in a few years. You know, what I mean, when you're getting close to hanging up the boots, and then the opportunity came, and I was like, oh, all right, maybe you should just you know. Yeah, it it. Your, Insta- your Instagram has never looked better than the season you spent oh, in Fiorentina. Oh, yeah, yeah, the tan as well. Oh my god, it was. But it was. Wow, it was. It was. It was very, very difficult. Though it was. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. you know, say that it was. Yeah, it was all roses. It was. It was really difficult to to have to. Yeah, you know, and kind of. I really felt like I was kind of settling in England. I kind of yeah. felt. I do at times, and it was the same in Sweden. Sometimes I just it just didn't feel like home. Yeah. You know, or that I could call, even though I was there for almost three, four years, I just couldn't settle in that way. And so finally I was kind of starting to feel settled in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to get up and, yeah, and move and leave again. And the whole thought of learning another language again was was creeping back in. And, you know, I felt... Did you beat yourself up over that, Louise? Because like after this sort of experience with Swedish, nothing, I go, shit, now I have to learn Italian kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, it it was genuinely a, a a real worry of mine. Yeah. yeah, you know, very yeah, very kind of off-putting. Because again, I just remember some of the experiences I had, you know, in Sweden and in Swedish or with my lack of Swedish, mm. um, you know, and just found it really difficult. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to do this again. Mm. You know, to kind of feel because there was times where you do, you just feel a little bit lost. I think yeah. when, you, when you don't understand what's going on around you. 
but it literally is that lost in translation thing. Like, I mean, yeah. I, in the last year or so, I've been to, to China and to Japan, and this whole thing of walking around the place, you can't even understand a street sign. You try to go in the underground, you try to do anything. It's just, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And, you know, that's okay because I was only there for a couple of weeks and I knew I'd get out of it and everything is built for you. But when you're trying to live in that every day and going to work and, and train and traveling all over the place and that kind of thing, it must be very, very tiring altogether. Yeah, yeah, it can be. And that's that's exactly it at the start. You're trying to go through, you know, a pre-season. Um, you had a fair amount of responsibility there as well, though, because you were coming in as, you know, the international centre-back from Arsenal. Everybody's going, hey, look at this young one. And did you feel that sort of sense of, OK, this is all on me now. We better not let in any goals the whole season. Um, no, not really. Anyway, I don't think so. If they did, I didn't understand them, to be honest. <laughs> I was grand. Um, no, like it was all right, you know, like some of the some of the girls even yet yeah, when you're starting to get to know people and they'd even be like, oh, what team did you come from? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm just I just used to play for Arsenal beforehand. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, but that's, you know, that that always happens as well. And then there were some that obviously remembered the Arsenal games and uh, like, you know, in Champions League and stuff like that. Um, but no, I didn't. Um, I think, or again, I yeah, I really struggled in the in the first few weeks because obviously, then yeah, you you're trying to learn your Italian, but you then even the words on the pitch, I was like, I'm never going to get this. Yeah. This is you know, you go through. I went through a couple of weeks where I was like, I'm never going to get this because I I kind of felt like one of the only foreigners that was um, that was kind of struggling. Yeah, because so the ones that were there had already been there for a year, mm. so they you know they had a really good understanding. Um, but then there was also, so there was Yanni Arndt there who played for Arsenal for a season. Yeah. So she was playing with Fiorentina. So obviously that, that helped. Um, and then like Tessel Middag, um, the Dutch player, I, I didn't know her, but I'd obviously, you know, I'd, I'd heard really yeah. good player and obviously a great footballer and had played in England. So, um, but she's a, she's a freaking genius. And she, like, she had already kind of studied Italy Italian, sorry, for like three months previous to coming. Oh, so shit. she was, yeah. Wiping the floor with everybody. Yeah, because she, like, she knew she was going to Italy, whereas then I had like, you know, maybe a couple of weeks notice. Yeah. Um, and so, so she was, she was up there already, you know, with it. So I felt like I was kind of one of the only ones struggling mm. Um, again. But it was, I, I definitely learned more Italian than I probably ever did Swedish. In, did you? Yeah. Yeah, in the nine, 10 months, because you're just immersed in it. They don't uh, speak that great English in certain parts either, do they? Yeah, some of it. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of players that honestly didn't speak English at all. Didn't speak English, no. And so, yeah, it's, it's to, still weird in the women's game because I think most yeah. girls when they grow up, they go, "Okay, if I can have any sort of a career, I have to learn English." So it's, they start about seven or eight yeah, years yeah, this, old. So it's still some weird. Of more, some of the older Italians, you know, yeah. the ones that are set in their ways. Yeah, um, just you know, don't it. don't even listen to you know music in English. They tell us to turn it off. Because you know, they only just want Italian songs on the, you know. Good lord. The, yeah, yeah. You'd be oh, putting yeah. on the Wolf Tones before a match there. They yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you I relieved was... then? Speaking of the Wolf Tones, were you relieved when you got back and when Birmingham offered you the contract for this season? Um, like or was it relieved was... the wrong word? Yeah, yeah. No, relieved. Relieved isn't the. Yeah, relieved isn't the word. I still had. Um, I still had an unbelievable time. Um, mm. it was, like I actually. Some of it again, like I did struggle with it. They are, as I said, they're you know slightly older school, um, you know how they kind of view women's football as well. Mm. At times, it's definitely getting better, but 
I did struggle with how sometimes Fiorentina wanted to deal with things and just wanted us to be grateful for what we had. And, mm. you know, I was part of a, yeah, part of a, everything, every kind of campaign with the Irish team with 2020, um, you know, obviously being then at Arsenal and in England and just watching how every club is, you know, like fighting for more and, mm. and deserves more and what I can actually do. And, you know, when, when you actually treat people like professionals and, and, you know, giving them the tools to actually succeed, you mm. know, they, they really will, you know, up to it, up to a certain extent. And mm. so there was definitely some, some struggles. It was even, you know, even how the, the training sessions were, they were kind of slow, long training sessions. Mm. And I just didn't feel as sharp Yeah, as well. But, two and a half hours of a coach going, okay, so stand with your hips this way. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking oh, go. yeah, yeah. And it was 35 degrees heat and I was struggling. And um, no, and it was so, it was just some of that. But I used to, I just used to love the games. I loved the games were brilliant. Right I don't know what it was about them. I just, I think basically I kind of went into playing my football in Italy with kind of, with no fear whatsoever. Yeah. I was playing so free. Mm. Um, because I just think a lot of stuff had happened. I'd obviously had, to, you know, didn't get a contract at Arsenal. Was had to move away from, you know, I'd already hadn't seen kind of family and friends properly for the few months previous, mm. and then I had to move away to a foreign country. Um, you know, some, um, uh, like not qualifying for the Euros with the Irish team. You know, absolutely all of this stuff, absolutely just kind of like heartbreaking. Yeah. And then, but it also then, like, you just learn from it and you're kind of like, you know what, it's, it's actually just football and I love yeah. football. So, like, you know, just don't think as much into it. And, you know, I feel like some of the, you know, of things that can kind of happen in football, you know, they've, they've kind of happened to me. Mm. Uh, you know, not completely. There's definitely of so much more, but it's just made me, yeah, learn more about myself and actually just to play with no fear and to mm. just and just love playing the games and, you know, if I if I can play well and play up to my ability, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy the game, um, mm. and and that was kind of it. So like I, I did actually have a really good season with Fiorentina as well, mm. um, but I was I was really looking to get back to England, yeah. um, you know if the opportunity kind of came up and and it's it's what I wanted and I want to be closer again back to the family, yeah. um, familiar surroundings, um, yeah. Like, so is there again. seven Irish girls in the Birmingham squad? Six, seven, seven. It must be like Glen Road there in the dressing room, isn't it? Honest to God, yeah. We're just it was it's a it's a full house, honest to God. We're uh yeah, now we're we're very lucky, which then just makes you know, which makes Birmingham then a you know a, a great kind of fam- again, familiarity of just you know, being able to chat to the girls and just know exactly what's know. going on and having so many people in common and mm. um yeah and just kind of understanding and then, you know we we sometimes play then you know obviously 7v7 and it's ireland versus the rest of the world lovely um which is basically just the uk and one greek player so <laughs> now you know we have scottish we have english we have northern irish that could be a bloodbath altogether in training <laughs> honestly yeah listen we won't talk too much more about club football right because the one thing we're all interested in and thank you so much for taking I've taken far much far too much of your time now I'm sure you should be snoozing or eating or doing one or the other you know but if we look at this game against Sweden in Gothenburg right five years ago we would have said we're coming over here and if we get out of here with you know not too much of a thrashing we'd be happy but 
we they beat us one nil in Dublin and we were kind of hang on a second that wasn't really a fair result right so when you're coming over here now and you talk to Katie McCabe and, and Denise and the rest of the squad what, what do you want do you think you can get a result over here in Gothenburg yeah like and that's kind of the the simple way about it it is going to be one of those where again we're very realistic to what you know the kind of team that Sweden are and and I think obviously you know post post Olympics they maybe did hit a little bit of a lull um mm. as you kind of naturally do from such a high um bus so just just to interrupt you there, Louise, they took the silver medal in the women's competition, right? They lost to Canada on penalties in the final. And I've never, I was actually at that game. I've never seen them so upset in my life. So I do think there was a bit of a hangover there, you know, but still they have the likes of Cena, Black Stanley, at your old club, Arsenal. There's a couple of good players there at Everton and that kind of thing. When you say, you know, what kind of team they are, what kind of team are they for people who don't watch football? Do they like to play long balls? Do they like to play tiki-taka? What do they do? They, do you know what? They're that team that like, to play it all and they can spot, they see what they give you. They take what's given to them yeah. and they do it really well. If they have to play, you know, some kind of, some short and sharp football, they will. Mm. If you leave some space in behind, they're going to exploit that. Yeah. Um, you know, they can, they have like the threat in the air. They have the threat on the ground. Um, you know, they really are kind of, a complete team you know they'll they'll be patient with it they love being patient with the ball they are there's just they're really they are very structured and that's maybe where you can try break mm -hmm. them down um just in terms of how structured they are i think if you know when you when they're kind of given a bit of a curve ball yeah um you know it they they have to you have to figure it out you have to mm -hmm. suss it out but again kind of the experience that they have um you know they've generally been able to kind of to suss it out but um yeah they you know they really just have have a lot of strengths everywhere but you know as we said it was we did you know we defended really well against them obviously even even the timing of the goal um you know just kind of before the end of the first half mm. was a bit frustrating but again we were still able to keep ourselves well in the game um you know in in Tala and then it, it you know it kind of got to the stage where it, and that's it now. Obviously, yeah, I'm I'm sometimes put up top for the last few minutes, and mm. um, you know, and but they had to, they actually, you know, they they had to put on Neil Fisher. They had to put on, you know, extra experienced defenders to try, you know, kind of deal with our counter attacking mm. threats and and how we are actually how we want to how we want to play and how mm. we play in the air as well. That, that's like a mark of respect, isn't it? When you see that you you're changing their game plan, their personnel, you go, hang on a second, they're afraid of us here. Yeah, yeah, like you know, and it kind of felt like that. So I still, obviously, you know, it's it, it should be one of those games where they they should be beating us comfortably, mm. um, and they weren't. Um, you know, we we made them uncomfortable, yeah. um, which I think was important. You know, of course, you're going to see the stats, and you know, they they dominated most of them. Of course, they did, and that's we knew that would happen. But mm. we knew that we could also we could count them on, catch them on the bounce, and mm. you know, we we almost did as well a couple of times, and you know, really kind of getting getting to them in the you know, in the, in the last few minutes. So we just hope kind of, yeah, bringing that into, into, into the away leg now, um, you know, but we're going to have to be yeah, a bit more savvy about it. And, and, um, you know, again, know that it's going to be, we are going to have to, to stop what they're very good at, um, which is, as I said, a little, a little bit of everything there, you know, how they like to control the ball and, you know, big switches of play. Um, they'll, you know, they'll go across in the box. They'll play it along the ground, out of the box, shots from outside the box. Um, 
How much are you looking forward to it, Louise? Because that's the kind of thing now, like it, ever since you came here to Eskilstuna and you've grown so much as a person and a player, are you coming back to Sweden and thinking, fuck, I hope I don't make a show myself? Or are you coming back here going, I want to show these people the player I've become? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. I think every time, you know, especially when I was playing in Sweden, I was I was always hoping we draw Sweden. <laughs> I really was. I really, really was. Um, I just would have, yeah, I just would have loved it. Um, but to actually finally get back now is uh, I just can't wait. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and just and obviously, yeah, kind of again, just kind of keep keep proving, you know, what kind of what kind of player I am, and and just see familiar faces, and um, you know, get back to a country that you know that has pretty much taught me so much of what I know and and who I am. Um, you know, and so to kind of play in front of, and I know what Swedish crowds can be like as well, and you know, really create an atmosphere. And um, yeah, so I, I, I actually just can't wait. One last question again. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, the World Cup is coming up in Australia. Uh, we've never qualified for the finals of a major tournament. Um, if you were to give us a, you know, we're aiming for a playoff place. Sweden will most likely win the group, right? So we're aiming for a playoff place. If you were to give us a percentage chance of making it to those finals, because I know how much it would mean to you to make it there. What would you say? Is it like 40%, 60%, 90%? Oh, do you know what? I, I don't even think I could give you a percentage where I think there was almost too much of that thought in the in the Euros campaign. Yeah. Um, and it is it's 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 the classic classic cliche of kind of take each game as it comes. But I think for us, that was that was maybe yeah one of the one of the issues we had and we thought too far ahead. Mm. Um, you know, kind of in the campaign and oh, which one is the important game? Oh, it's this one or oh, it's that. Mm. And it's, it's like, you know what, you've actually just got to take it because yeah, we we drop points along the way where we where we shouldn't have. Mm. Um, you know, against in the last one against Greece. So um yeah, so I, I couldn't I couldn't give you a percentage, but but we just we feel good and we feel in a really good spot. Um and that it's and that it's very possible. Mm. Again, if we just kind of keep performing how we are, um and you know, and to and again to even think that we can, you know, go into a game against Sweden and you know, if we don't come out with at least a point, I think we will be disappointed. Mm. Um, you know, and that's and I think that's a it's a really nice and healthy mindset to have now, especially for you know, for an Irish team. Louise, I wish you every success on your return to Gothenburg and that nobody deserves that moment at a major tournament more than you do. And I hope you get to see it, but at least you get to see me in Gothenburg in a couple of weeks' time. Take um, care of yourself. Thanks thank so much for talking to me. Thanks, Phil. Fowler's gone out to try and put Katie McCabe off. Denise O'Sullivan and Amber Barrett have taken up decent positions on the edge of the area. The two Quins in there. Nifahi makes a move. Louise Quinn. Fabulous goal. Ireland lead 3-2 against the Australians. And Louise Quinn scores her 12th goal for her country. Her 87th cap tonight. That's a teach of a goal. There you go, the mighty Quinn. Louise Quinn, Ireland centre-back. I keep calling her the captain on social media. I don't know what's the matter with me, right? She's the captain of Birmingham City. She's not the captain of Ireland. Katie McCabe is the captain of Ireland, and Katie will probably never speak to me again because I keep saying the Quinn is the captain of Ireland, and I'm only saying this now to convince myself, right? Katie McCabe, captain of Ireland. But Louise Quinn, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Uh, going up against Sweden, and... 
I said it there several times in the course of the conversation. I just, you know, if you could grant three wishes, the one of them, one of the particular ones, you go and you'd find Louise Quinn, you go, there you go, there's a World Cup for you, girl. Go off and play in that now, you know, because, you know, she has a few years, a good few years, hopefully, left in her career. But I just love her to experience some of the things that I've seen. Girls I know who play for Sweden and for Norway and for Denmark. I'd love for Louise and the Irish girls to have that experience because they deserve it so much. The work they put in. And they're on a fraction, a fraction of what the men get. The Swedish centre-back, Nilla Fischer, Louise actually mentioned in that interview there. Nilla once said to me that... Um, most men in the in sort of top leagues in the Bundesliga in Germany or in the Premier League, they would make more in just a couple of days than some girls would make in a year, right? So I mean I think the average or not the average wage, but the the, the base salary in the women's super league in in uh, in England is about I think it's about thirty-two thousand pounds a year. Now, don't quote me on that, but that—that's what it is. I mean, it's a very, very basic salary that they get. And okay, they might get a bit of an apartment or a flat or a house share on top of that, but it's no money when you consider it. Now, hopefully, we mentioned at the start of this conversation the uh, the growth in the women's game, and hopefully, in the very near future, we'll see them earning or, or getting what they're worth, basically, because there's an awful lot more people watching the game and that kind of thing. So, like, hopefully, they get a lot more money out of it now. And on that very subject, this podcast is supported by you, the listener, and it's also supported by Veerstrom's Pub in Gamlastan. All the big games, all live, all on the big screens. There's music there several nights a week. There's pub quizzes. There's every sort of entertainment you could possibly imagine going on there. Really good atmosphere back now. The pandemic has kind of been put behind us, so it's a great, decent, safe place to go with a fantastic selection of beers down there. Go in, tell Martin and the staff that I sent you, and they look after you very, very well indeed. And of course, there's great food to be had there as well. If you want to support the show and i strongly suggest you should patreon.com forward slash arrow man in stockholm that if you go into that and you sign up for that basically means you make a small contribution every month could be two euros could be five euros could be ten euros but it makes my life so much easier because i know there's a few quid coming in and they can keep the lights on the studio here and it means that I can give this podcast the time it so richly deserves to be able to bring this and to keep it free for the Irish community in Sweden so basically it's out there for everybody you don't have to pay for it but if you can please consider doing it if you have a Swedish bank account you can switch a few bob on 123242166 so open up the Swish app on your phone right now 123 123- 2424166 and you can switch a few quid there uh, the other option of course is advertising and sponsorship I'm looking at all the big companies there making big bucks around here James Linus Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com is where you get that or you can hit me up on social media but all contributions are gratefully received if we all throw a little bit into the pot I can continue to do these things and to bring them to you anyway one of the things that Louise brought up uh, was the subject of language and learning Swedish and learning Italian, but learning Swedish over here and the trouble that she had. And she mentioned going to SFE and it maybe didn't suit her. So I decided to have a little chat with none other than the finest midfielder ever to come out of Cork City. Roy Keane is only a poor second place compared to Alex Orfanides. Alex, I can't actually remember how I originally met Alex, but I do know it was a long time ago. And uh, he's known as the Greek because his father is from Greece. His mother is from Cork. He's from Mayfield. Um, and you hear his accent there, you know, it's just pure Cork. And uh, wonderful fella, incredible footballer. Just one of these guys, you know, who's like a metronome. You know, you can give him the ball in any situation he's going to sort it out. Bit of a temper as well. The Mayfield boys tend to have that little bit. But he actually works uh, with Folk Universitetet, which is a fairly big... Uh, they're not exactly a public sector organisation, but they're one of these um, 
people's movement things and it's all to do with this idea of lifelong learning and okay you may not have done great in school but you can do courses and you can do you can better yourself the whole time pretty old sort of social democratic principle but I knew that he was involved in languages there because I've spoken to him about it actually not too long ago so I asked him to pop down to the little studio here at St. Derek's Plan in the centre of Stockholm and he did and we had a little chat and uh, this is the result of that so this is about um, if you don't have the time or the, the if the classes aren't at the right time or maybe you have a little bit of money burned a bit of a hole in your pocket and your Swedish wife or husband or partner or dog is giving out to you because you can't speak to them have a listen to Alex and see maybe if this might be something for you Greatest midfielder, according to me. That'll do me fit. Ahead of Roy That's uh, <laughs> Alex. I suppose. Look, we'll start with the pleasantries. How are you keeping? Yeah. I'm not too bad at all, actually. Uh, how are you? Well, I'm not too bad. I'm struggling away here. We were talking about playing football there. It's a long time since we managed to play a bit together. But yeah. are, you, are you getting nothing done now? I can't convince you to come to the Gales. <sighs> do you know what? Now I played my first match about two weeks ago. In about three years, I'd say. Yeah. Um, did my calf after about 15 minutes. Nice. Nice. Gave it a break for a few weeks. Went back last week. 15 minutes in. Did the calf again. You're done. So That's it. I'm done for another few weeks again. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. You know, all father time there catches up with you. He is undefeated at this point in time. Yeah. You know, I, I, We're actually going to get Helsinki next week to play Gaelic football. And I said, yeah. I'll bring the boots just for the crack. Like, you know, I know what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to be on that boat coming back in bits going, why did I do that? <laughs> but, you know, you wouldn't miss it. Listen, the reason we brought you down here today is because we've, it's one of these things. I started this podcast back in the winter, or the start of the winter there, and yeah. the thing that keeps coming back up again and again and again is a language. You were working at Folk Universitet here in Stockholm for the last few years. What, yep. what kind of thing are you doing down there? Are you, you teaching Swedish, Greek, English? <laughs> uh, I'm in the language department, actually, or that's what we call it in English, at least. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm basically just um, running the English side of things. Yeah. Uh, in the department, so courses, um, exams, mm. stuff like that. So I'm not doing any teaching. I haven't taught in years. Mm. So I'm just uh, an office. Are you, are you yeah. happy to be on the bench there and let the rest of them out on the field? Kind of thing, Do you know, it's grand, actually. It suits me because, um, you know, when you're teaching, you have to go in and you have to be a top form every single day. And, yeah. oh, you know, there's, um, you go into the office and you can just kind of tip away at your work. And yeah, don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be honest, I mean, I, I, I don't mind my colleagues they're fine like you know that kind of mess yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mind it but um, so that's what I'm doing I'm just in the corner with my computer all day long mm. um, tipping away trying to get people um, onto language courses yeah mm. and well, who comes to you then to learn English oh god everybody and anybody yeah um, students uh, immigrants um, mostly people that have one eye on going to university right and just need to get their English level up to scratch yeah to get in uh, basically, or immigrants who are looking to move to, say, Canada. Mm. There's a lot of people that have that go to Canada through Sweden. Okay, um, and they need to they need to do an English test. All right, uh, yeah. to get a visa. So they come to us and they do a few courses and then they do the exam and yeah. they move on. Now, in fairness, most Irish people speak a bit of English already, right? Mm, so the reason, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Apart, apart from people from Cork. <laughs> exactly. Somebody actually said it to me there. There was actually a, a new listener to this podcast who said, because I'd never spoken English to him in my life, yeah. you know, and he was saying, God, you speak completely differently when you speak to Irish people. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, apologies to all the Swedes who are listening to yeah, this yeah. for the first time. <laughs> but there is, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because somebody has talked to me before. I never mm. went to Folk University, but somebody okay. told me that your courses in Swedish are really good. So yeah. can you just explain what kind of 
things you have available down there? Um, we have a little bit of everything, I would say. We try to cater for everyone, mm-hmm. to be honest. So we have all levels, from beginners to advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're you know, just in the country and you're just getting started, uh, we can uh, cater for that. Um, if you have been here a while and your Swedish isn't so bad and you just, you know, for your whatever reason, you just want to get a little bit better, mm. we have that. Uh, we have conversation courses. We have uh, course. We have grammar courses. We have courses for asylum seekers, mm. which are free. Um, literally everything you can think of. Mm. And obviously you have SFE, which is, I used to call it Swedish mm-hmm. for Irish people, but it's actually Swedish for immigrants, is yeah, the way yeah. it probably translated. <laughs> um, does a cost attached to some of these courses? Is yep. it going to break the bank if you're going to take a course at Folk University at it? Um, well, it's all relevant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It depends on how much money you have to spare, to be honest. Yeah. Um, no, SFE is free yeah. for everyone, I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, so there's that. Uh, but then again, you know, if you want to study once a week, Mm. then it's relatively cheap. Yeah. But if you want to study four or five times a week, you know, then it gets more expensive. So yeah. um, I don't think it would break the bank. But, you know, like I said, it depends on what kind of situation you're in financially, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, but if we think of it, so, some, let's say that people do have a little bit of money to spare, then no, it isn't going to break the bank. Yeah. Um, but like I said, if, you, if you're coming to us, some people are here, or they, they come to us and they're there every day, Monday to Friday, and then yeah. they come back in the evenings. So obviously that's going to cost you a bit more yeah, than if you're yeah. studying one or two nights a week. Of course, yeah. yeah. And this is an organisation that you'll find pretty much all over Sweden, right? Yeah, Falcon Universität, it's huge. It's a studio for Bund, so it's like an adult education association. Mm. It's been around for donkey's years. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we, what we do is called folk building, which is kind of education for the people, loosely translated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically the idea way back when was that people that couldn't go to university or didn't go for whatever reason mm. could still have access to, ed- to education yeah. at a high level. Yeah. Um, so that's how it started originally. Um, and, you know, it's, it's open to everyone. Mm. So absolutely anyone. There's very little requirements, uh, which is kind of the whole point. Yeah. Basically that absolutely anyone can just go online, find something that they want to do, enroll and yeah. have to go. So you don't have to have your leave insert, you know, straight A's or like. You don't thing. need your leave insert or anything like that. I don't think no. either of us will agree. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, yeah. you know? But uh, tell me as well, is there any sort of online element to it? Like, if I if I don't live in a town where mm. folk university exists, is there yeah. online class and that kind of thing? There is absolutely, that? especially you know with the pandemic. Of course, mm. we had no choice, obviously, because you know yeah. basically people couldn't couldn't come to couldn't come to lessons. Yeah. Um, so you can find basically all the courses that I mentioned earlier. Mm. The vast majority of them are also online. Super. Um, so you basically you just go in, open up your computer, mm-hmm. onto the website. Mm-hmm. What's the website? Folk University at it? Yeah, Folk University at it. Dot dot SE. SE. Super. Yeah. And you can go in there. There's also there's basket weaving and there's music writing and there's, all sorts of uh, stuff. There. There's everything. Honestly, everything you can think of, yeah. you'll find there. Have you come across any Irish people learning Swedish in your place? Um, and how ashamed were you when you met them? There is a handful, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, I kind of only hear it like through the grapevine, so to speak, because I don't work with the Swedish courses directly myself. Yeah, yeah. But I do sit next to the group that do. Mm. Um, so the odd time they'll come in, like, you know, if some Irish person has said something funny or yeah. not so funny, or do you know what I mean? Depending <laughs> on what it is. Depends on the, how you're saying it. What's that number of violence? I might think it's funny. The Swedes, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> but um, there, I don't think there's that many Irish people yeah. on the courses, if I'm going to be honest. Mm. Um, but there's a few bopping around, all right. But there is space. And in terms of like, I mean, you obviously grew up in Cork speaking mm. that 
kind of English that you yeah, speak yeah. down there. Uh, your father was from, was he your father from Cyprus? He was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, were you a Greek speaker then in the beginning? Um, bits and pieces. So the older I got, the more I kind of spoke. Yeah. But um, it wasn't a case of like, when I grew up, I grew up, you know, Cork in the 80s. Yeah. There wasn't any Greek schools around like no. there are here. You know, there wasn't any, um, you didn't get any Greek lessons at it was the huge after, community after school there. on <laughs> in Mayfield on, on a Wednesday or so there was no Greek teacher that came along like they do over here. Yeah. Um so it was just the bits I picked up at home. And yeah. then I spent a lot of time in Greece, so I picked it up there. I know of course my wife is Greek, so yeah. there's a lot of Greek at, at home. I know her mum and dad were like, you know, they were very much Greek speakers. Like I mean oh, they, yeah. they yeah, spoke yeah, Swedish yeah. and that kind of but they were very much speaking Greek at home. Oh, it's all it's all Greek, yeah. And now we've got the small fill as well, so it's all Greek with him as well. Is it? Yeah. Well we I mean I only speak English to him. My wife and her parents speak Greek to him. Yeah. And then so you get Swedish in school. You get Swedish at preschool, yeah. But that's a terrible thing for your business model. You won't make a dime out of him. Throw him into something else. That would be brilliant. But that's it. And then, of course, there are other languages there as well. There's French and Italian and Spanish. Yeah, and God, I think we've got, um, I think we offer over 40 languages. Well, so we've got all the major European ones. And then we've got like Chinese and we've got Japanese and Arabic. And we've got like some sort of random languages if you want like Portuguese or Brazilian Portuguese and, yeah yeah you know Bosnian and Serbian you know they like you know the small differences between the two exactly yeah so I mean they offer a little, a little Turkish I mean you name it like yeah. I said over 40 languages so it's all there yeah well there you go actually in the episode that this is coming out of, we were talking about things like art and we we're talking about culture and about you know having the nerve to go and try new things so if you're going to try mm. new things but if it all goes wrong don't go looking for Alex Orfanides yeah exactly <laughs> if, yeah, if you need a little bit of advice not a problem at all come to me if you have any complaints forget about it <laughs> <laughs> don't go anywhere near. Alex thanks for coming in and talking to not us not about it Phil thanks for having me um, what kind of quality springs to mind when you think of core people I don't know really. you can't really you don't know because you know, it's very hard on us tops and like, you know, I wouldn't like to have a long conversation because I wouldn't know what they'd be saying for a start. Like, it's like they're singing a song the whole way through. <laughs> You go looking at the clock ticking up towards an hour and ten minutes of a podcast now and I'm thinking to myself my word I'm spoiling you that is it for this week we had the legendary Alex Orfanides there talking to us about folkuniversitetet.se uh, you can go along there and find a language course that will suit you not just in Swedish in any language and for the Cork people I would strongly suggest the English courses they're very very good indeed um, I th- next week's podcast I'm kind of hoping to try to bring you some voices from Gothenburg so I'm going down there to see the Irish women playing against the Swedish women it's going to be a great game I always feel like a winner no matter what happens but obviously we would like to see the Irish girls do well and I'm hoping to meet some people for the local community there now the problem is I'm kind of it's a flying visit so I'm only getting in in the afternoon and heading off early the next morning so I'm hoping to bump into maybe Ronan Morgan and to, to Ian and to a few of the people who are down there and maybe they can tell us a little bit about what life is like on what they call not the west coast but the best coast on that part of Sweden so in the meantime uh, all good luck to the girls in green all good luck to you take care of yourselves and take care of one another and should we be back again next week and you never know if these podcasts keep getting longer and longer it'll be like a Bruce Springsteen gig by the end of it but sure look at one way or another we'll get through it take care now talk to you again soon mm-hmm.